0: moment that, that I have experienced in my lifetime. This doesn't mean it's the most important or anything like that, but the, the most significant moment that where I felt like, wow, the world is a different place than I thought it was, happened um, about 20 years ago. And this isn't something that happened to me. I was working at a pool company, and uh, it was just me. I was the only employee, me and, and my boss. And I was down in the bottom of a pool, and he had talk radio on, sitting on the side. And I would have rather listened to music, but he was... Old, and I guess when you get old, you have to stop listening to music and you listen to talk radio. And uh, so th- they, they break in. We're down in the bottom of this pool doing something. They break in with uh, news about the Columbine shooting. And uh, at the time, I was pretty close in age to, to the guys, maybe a year or two older to the guys that had done that. And I just remember I, I mean, I have this vivid memory of being in the bottom of this empty pool, uh, feeling like the world was a different place. I went down into the <laughs> pool feeling like the world was one way, and I came back out of it feeling like the world was maybe more bleak and, and, and darker. And, and for some of you, you've had a moment like that, and maybe it was a national tragedy. Maybe some of you, it was like something like 9-11 or it was an assassi- assassination of a, uh, of a famous person where it just like it felt like, hey, the world is a little, maybe a little less bright, a little less good, or it's just darker. Or maybe you even felt this way, like it feels like the world is, is broken. And, and I don't know if you've even read the news from this morning, but they're, they're, the bombings in churches uh, out, out uh, in, in East Asia, it's just it's so tragic. Like the world, is, you, the world is broken, it feels like, doesn't it? It just feels like it's broken. And every time you open up your app and read the news, it's just like, well, there's just another reminder that the world is, is different than the way I thought it was. It's shifted. It like shifts underneath you. And maybe it wasn't a national tragedy. Maybe it was a personal tragedy. Something happened to you, and it should not have happened. Things should not have been that way. That was not the, the way you envisioned your life going. And when that thing happened, whatever it was, you felt like the world is not the way it should be. The world is not the way it should be. It's a different place, and, and that shift changes us because we have to adjust to a new reality, a new way of living in the world. And for many of you, for many of us, we became a little bit more guarded, a little bit more fearful, maybe a little bit more jaded, a little bit more cynical. And and if you know me, I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic person. So for me to say that the world is kind of a messed up place, I mean, I must I must, that must be really true, right? Because I tend to look at the bright side of everything. But I, I feel like this is, a, this is a self-evident truth that the world just is different. It feels different than the way that it should be. Now, if you happen to live in the first century Israel, we're at church, so we're gonna talk about some of the stuff that's in the Bible. If you happen to live in first century Israel, you would have felt the same way because you were God's chosen people. You were the people that God had said, hey, I am going to protect you and guide you and bless you. And there in the first century, you were living in occupied territory. On so many different street corners were these Roman soldiers and the, the Roman tax system that just reminded you that this, like you weren't special. Rome had just taken over the world and, and you really weren't special anymore and you weren't that big of a deal and whatever it was. And of course, Rome, those of you like that like history, Rome had this thing called the Pax Romana which is the idea that it's we have brought peace we have brought peace to the world well sure yeah you brought peace to the world in the in the same way I remember my senior year choir teacher bringing peace to the class we were terrified of her so yeah we all behaved but we were we were afraid we were afraid for our lives and and if you were in first century Israel yeah okay sure yeah stop resisting if you don't if you don't go along with the program we're just we're gonna kill you. So do what we say. And so some people reacted to those pressures by trying to fight the system. Just fight it. Just dig in your heels and fight it every step of the way. And those people often got crushed. There was a name for a group of people, the the rebels, the zealots. Of course, if you know your Bible, Peter was one of those guys. He wanted to fight the system. He wanted to fight the way things were. There was another group of people who just wanted to like, hey, this is an opportunity for me to, to consolidate power and wealth and some of the Hebrew people actually went along with that as well. And they became, uh, they've got put in different positions, official positions of government. Some of them became tax collectors. Of course, the, the very book that we're going to be reading today is by a guy that had been a tax collector, a guy named Matthew. So they bought into this system. But I think most people, the average person, was just kind of fearful and guarded and wished things were different, wished things weren't the way that they were. And, and, and into all that, into all that strolls Jesus he comes into this situation and he says, all right, you know how everybody feels like the things aren't the way that they should be? How about I bring a new kingdom? How about that? And people would have been like, whoa, yeah, that sounds great. A new kingdom, a new way of doing things, a new way of living, a new way of like, I don't like what we've got. I don't like the kingdom of Rome. So this new kingdom, this sounds awesome. And then Jesus would go around describing this kingdom and he would say things like, okay, you know how you guys like, you don't like the way things are. You know how you have enemies. Right? You know how you have people who mistreat you. You have people who persecute you. You know how that's true. Like, you have these people that just don't, you're you're not being treated the way you want to be treated. Here's what we should do in this new kingdom. You ready? Here's what we do in this new kingdom. Let's love those people. And you'd be sitting there saying, Love those people? What? They're taxing me to death. Love them? Yeah. Also, let's pray for those people. I don't want to, well, yeah, if you're praying lightning and thunder and bad things, yeah, sure. No, no. Pray for their, and bless those people. Like, Jesus, that is not going to work. Rome will just crush its opposition. And you want us to just pray for these people? Yeah, in fact, if they slap you on one cheek, you know what you should do? Turn the other cheek. Jesus, I don't think you understand the way the world works. Your solutions that you're proposing are not going to get us anywhere. They're not going to make any any difference. The world's just going to still be messed up the way that it is. You know, Jesus would come along, he would say to these people, you know how you feel outcast and marginalized and powerless? Yeah, yeah, I know that, I feel that. Well, here's what you should do. You should serve the people that are making you feel that way. What? That's not going to solve anything, Jesus. Your solutions are bad. They're not going to work. What kind of kingdom, what kind of ridiculous place is this? This is ridiculous. And when Jesus spoke those words, it sounded just as crazy thin as it does to us today. When we really think about doing what Jesus says, it sounds crazy. It wouldn't work in the workplace. It wouldn't work in, 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 in a lot of our friendships and relationships. It wouldn't work, sometimes you think, it wouldn't work with my spouse or my children. It wouldn't work to act like Jesus said to act in those environments. It wouldn't, what good will it do? Jesus, the world is messed up and your solutions aren't going to fix anything. That's not the way the world works. So we're gonna read a story today. And I'm over feeling like I'm overselling it, but I, I know I'm not, because this is true. The story that we read today, you could leave, there's the possibility that you could leave this room a different person after hearing this story. And I realize I feel that like, whoa, what are you talking about? You're really selling me on something here. You could leave this room a different person after hearing the story we're going to read today than, than when you walked in. A different person. And the reason I know that that's true, because this has been happening for thousands of years. People have heard this story, and their reaction to it was so visceral that they walked away from hearing this story changed people. It's pretty wild. So, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn on a Bible, if you want to open up a Bible, whatever you need, we're going to look at the book of Matthew, chapter 27, and we're going to walk through this story, this narrative. Matthew, chapter 27. Um, and this story, if you were here last week, it picks up immediately after we left off last week. If you weren't here last week, it's fine, doesn't matter. But this story picks up immediately after we left off. All right? So, this crazy guy, he's talking about loving your enemies, he's talking about praying for people that persecute you. He gets crushed by Rome. That's what the cross is all about. And we get to verse 55. Many women were there. This is the scene where Jesus is on the cross, watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Now, sometimes we talk about the gospel story and we talk about, like, yeah, all Jesus' disciples abandoned him. They all left, they all fled, nobody was there for him. But that's not true. If you actually read the gospels, there were a group of people that stuck with him through everything, and it was the women. The tough guys abandoned him. They all said, we will stay with you, Jesus, even if we have to die. And as soon as things got hot, they were out of there. But the women, they were there every step of the way. And there were a bunch of Marys. They all named their kids Mary back in the day. And so in this story, this narrative follows two Marys. And this is just kind of interesting. Go back one slide if you would. Uh, Mary the, Mary Magdalene, we've heard about her. And Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Now, just real quick, this is a little, you know, whatever you can James and Joseph are pretty common names in the first century, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, also had sons named James and Joseph. So it's, it's possible, for whatever reason, Matthew didn't identify her as Jesus' mother, but it's possible that that's who we're talking about. So they were there, they were watching, they were there every moment of the way. My uh, little guy, my seven-year-old, uh, broke his arm You've seen him running around with a cast, and he's way more wild and dangerous with a broken arm than I would be. Like, he's just running and jumping and crazy, like, I'm like, you're going to break it again. You're going to, whatever. So this is true, true story. Um, It was uh, a week ago Friday, and I get a call from the nurse's office, and they're like, hey, your son seems to have injured himself. He's playing on the playground. I'm like, okay. And they're like, you got to come in and take him to the hospital. I'm like, oh, so it's serious. Okay, all right. So I, I go into the hospital and there's my you know my little guy and he's got his arm kind of cradled up and you know he's a, he's a little little pale um, he's you know obviously in pain you know you know how kids get it's just it, obviously in pain and you're just like a parent your heart goes out to him you're like oh, Liam what what happened and he was like dad i was i was trying to dunk a basketball and i was hanging on the rim and i fell and i was like oh, buddy oh buddy and i got down real close to him and i said Liam Liam did you make the dunk? <laughs> That's what's important. I did ask him that. And he said, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, I made the dunk, but I hurt my arm. Oh, buddy, okay, you know. So we took him to the, uh, the, uh, the, the hospital, and uh, they're working on him, and they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna have to do. And I, don't, I didn't bring x-rays, because I know some of you get grossed out about this kind of stuff. I know I do. The, yeah, yeah. The, the arm The bones are not, you know, it it doesn't look right. I'm no doctor, but I'm like, I think those are supposed to be together, and they're not. (laughs) Okay, so the doctor says, okay, we're going to have to reset the bones, reset the bones. And I'm like, all right, what does that involve? And he's like, well, we're going to have to, you know, knock your little guy out, and then we're going to have to, like, you know, move the, wiggle the bones back in place. I'm like, Oh, that sounds reasonable, all right? I don't, again, I'm not a doctor, but sure, go ahead, do your doctor thing. And so, you know, poor Liam falls asleep, which I think was hilarious, because they gave him the medicine, and he was like, this isn't doing, you know, and then he's <laughs> like, out. Oh. And then the doctor got in there, and I didn't understand what he was getting at. But you have to, like, evidently bones are hard to move. Yeah, I know, I, I was feeling the same way too. And so, <laughs> initially, ignorant me, I'm like looking at this, like, what's going on? And the doctor started to do this with his arm, and I was like, I have to go somewhere else. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't look at the pain being inflicted on you. I can't, I can't look. And, and I just want you to know, and I want you to hear, because every gospel narrative says this, the women did not look away. They were there every step of the way with Jesus. The guys were so tough, right? The guys were out of there, but the women did not look away. Verse 57, as evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph. And the reason they acknowledged that this guy was rich is because what he was about to do would require a lot of money and Jesus did not have a lot of money. Jesus was not a health and wealth preacher because he was dead and broke right here. He had a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. In verse 58, going to Pilate, of course the Roman governor, he asked for Jesus' body and Pilate, Pilate ordered that it be given to him. So Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb and they were watching every moment of what was happening. And and if you were in this story, this would have felt like the end scene of a movie. Everything goes dark and we should see credits and it's all over and you get out of your seat and gather your stuff and leave. This is what this moment feels like. But then wait, there's more. If you've ever been in a movie, we are like, okay, it should be over now and then there's more. And this story has more. We've ended with the crucifixion, but there is more. Verse, Matthew chapter 28, verse one. After the Sabbath... That's the day that they couldn't do any work, which is why they were in a hurry to get Jesus buried. At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. Verse 2, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Uh, can I just make an observation here real quick? Sometimes when we think about like Christianity and we think about, man, all the crazy stuff in the Bible. There's all kinds of wild stuff going on. Uh, we are not even the tip of the iceberg of the weirdness of this story. This is a weird story and we can acknowledge it. But Mary and the other Mary, Daryl and my, this is my other brother Daryl, 30-year-old show, if you remember that. Mary and the other Mary, they round this corner... And what they see before him is a bunch before them is a bunch of Roman soldiers just passed out on the ground. They have no idea what 's going on here they 're just coming up on this scene. This is like a crime scene. A bunch of Roman soldiers passed out on the ground. The tomb is open. Remember, they had watched it be shut. The tomb is open, and there is an angel, some bright, shiny celestial being, sitting on top of the rock. This is a weird story, Christians. We should acknowledge that. This is weird. This is strange. What's going on? This isn't your normal course of events. What is happening here? What in the world is going on? Now, I love it because it feels like this is an understated way of explaining what's actually happening. And and, and this is worth noting, too. The, The Bible, nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does it give us a description of the main event. You know what I mean? We always come up on the scene of the resurrection after it happened. We don't know. We don't know what happened. We don't know. Did did Jesus, you know, lungs start filling with oxygen? Did the blood start flowing? Did synapses start firing? Did his eyes flutter open? We don't know. We follow the story right after the main event. And so here's Mary and the other Mary, and they're walking up. A bunch of soldiers passed out on the ground. By the way, do you know why there were soldiers in front of the tomb? Because the religious leaders had listened to Jesus and they had remembered that he said something about rising after three days and they were like, we wanna make sure nobody steals this body, creates this big hoax, so they put soldiers there. They had been listening, but Jesus' followers seemed to be very confused. And this is what the angel, sitting on top of the rock, he's waiting for these ladies to show up and he's sitting there, he's like, oh, hey, there you are, okay. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. Just in case there's other Jesuses we're getting confused here, who was crucified? Verse six, he is not here, he has risen, just as he said. And I don't know, I wonder if there was a little bit of like that parent, like, you remember, I've told you this a thousand times, just as he said. This was going to happen. In fact, just a few days earlier, back in Matthew chapter 26, go to the next slide if you would. This, just as he said, uh, if you go back to like, I don't know, it was 72 hours earlier or so, but math, it should be Matthew chapter 20, 26, uh, verses 5 and 6. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee, is what he said. He's like, hey guys, gather around. Some stuff is about to go down, but I want you to know I'm coming back, and then we're going to meet up in Galilee. How does that sound to everybody? And they were just like, there's just no category for this. Like, you're gonna die and be resurrected. I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. This is this is weird. This is beyond me, and I totally get it. There's just no category for what's happening here. There's just no like handbook. Nobody, you can't go to the library and check out a book about what to do in the case of a resurrection. There's just no like procedure. You can't Google this. You Google like what to do when your favorite Bible teacher is talking about dying and coming back in three days. There's just no point of reference. We are in uncharted territory, so it's no doubt that the people Jesus. Came kept saying guess what guys i'm coming back we're like what is i don't I just kind of i feel like it's a little like parents when they're telling their kids like very specific instructions like hey i'm pouring you this glass of milk please don't put it by the edge of the table and please don't knock it over with your elbow and what do kids do like you, you you, give them the specific directions and they take that glass of milk and they just balance it precariously right on the edge of the table like without even trying and then they wave their arms around wildly and we're like, what, I just told you. Like the angel had to feel like, like Jesus has been making this very clear. He's coming back but there's just no categories for this just as he said, and then the angel says in the bottom of this verse, verse 6, he says, come and see the place where he lay. In case you don't believe the fact that I'm an angel sitting on a rock with a bunch of passed out Roman soldiers around you, you can come in and check this out if you want to see he's actually not here. And then the angel says to them, verse 7, then go quickly and tell his disciples he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There he will see him. you will see him. Now I have told you. In verse 8 says, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Afraid, yet filled with joy. I love that line. I think that's such a good line, afraid, yet filled with joy. Because when I think about so much to do with Christianity, there's so much I'm like, I don't get it, but I'm kind of excited about it. (laughs) I'm afraid, but like, hey, I'm in. Now, the story's not over, because I told you it gets weird, and I think this is kind of where it begins to, I mean, even go off the rails more. These two women, Mary and the other Mary, are booking it to tell the other disciples. Guess what? Jesus is actually not dead anymore, but before they can even get very far along, what happens? This is verse nine. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Now, this is, I think this is so cool. Greetings, the word greetings, is literally the word hello. Hello, all right? It's what you say to people every day. Hi, hey, what's up, hello. That's literally what it is, just your basic greeting. So here is Jesus, he has been on the cross. You know, he's been before the, the, the religious elite, the governor, the everybody. He's been beaten. He's been hung on a cross. He's been put in a grave. And the first words, like did he workshop this? The first words he says to people who were like just, just desperate for, for good news was, hey, How's it going? It's, it's so understated. I love it. I love it. Have you ever been in that situation where you feel like you've got really good news, but you kind of want to undersell it a little bit? You know, you just, you got a big promotion, or maybe you got good news about, uh, you know, maybe you've been trying to, you know, uh, have, a, have a child, and you're excited to tell, you know, your parents are going to be grandparents. You, you really undersell it, kind of like, hey, oh, guess what? You know, I got a little bit of news if you're you're going to have a grandbaby, you know, just you try to keep, you know, you try to kind of keep it casual. I feel like Jesus is doing that here. Just trying to keep it casual. No big deal. I was dead, I'm alive. Hey, what's up? How are you guys doing? Now, I, I I don't know. You cannot you cannot live in the age of the internet and not have seen a certain category of video. And that is those videos where a soldier has been deployed overseas and they come back and surprise their family members. You've seen those, right? Now, you may you may, I don't care what your politics are. You watch a couple of those and, you know, your mascara's running or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm not crying. You're crying. It's allergies, whatever. Uh, the most recent one I saw was this, this, this father who had been deployed overseas. And he, come, he came back. And there's always these elaborate setups about what's going on. And what the father had done is he had gone to his son's karate thing. Dojo? Karate dojo? I, I watch Karate Kid. I know, I know the slang. He had gone to his son's karate place, and uh, he had put on whatever, like, mask, you know, and he was sparring with his son, and his son didn't know it was his father. So he's there, and his son's hitting and kicking and whatever, and then at some point, you know, they get done, and, and the dad says his name, and the kid, like, kind of stops, and the dad lifts us the, up the mask, and the kid just, like, shock, confusion joy, every, like all those emotions, and he just lunges for his father. You see that exact same thing, verse nine. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Hi, ladies, hey, how's it going? He said, and they came to him. They clasped his feet and worshiped him. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Then the 11, 11, I thought there were 12. What happened to, oh, Judas. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Now we read that, that's one verse. Do you know that they were 80 miles away from Galilee? And Jesus, I don't know why Jesus couldn't have made this more convenient for him, but he's like, all right, you need to go on an 80 mile walk and we're gonna meet back where it all started. So we read one verse and it probably took them two, three days, depending on how fast. I think you'd be fast if you're excited to, get to see Jesus. And remember, the last interaction these 11 guys had with Jesus, do you remember what it was? Things started to get a little dicey and they booked it out of there. That was the last interaction most of them had according to Matthew, the book of Matthew. Oh, uh, there's some actual things going down here, Jesus. We're just gonna like, back out of this situation and let you handle this by yourself. That was the last interaction that they'd had with him. Like, whoa. And so now they walked 80 miles ready to talk to him. And this is important. This is so important, church. I, I want you to hear this. Verse 17, listen, listen to this. This is, the, this is the official account of the resurrection. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love this. I love this. If, if the Bible is propaganda, it is not very good propaganda. Because within the Bible, within the the story of the people who knew Jesus best, it tells us that some doubted. They're there looking at him, and they're still not sure what to do with this information. I, I suppose there's probably a few that went up and hugged him and fell at his feet and said, I'm so sorry, but there were a few that hung back and said, i don't know yet you're uh, i don't know i'm this is not supposed to happen a person's not supposed to die and come back i i i don't know some doubted christians i i, I think I, I think sometimes we can be a little stifling when it comes to allowing other people room to believe some of this wild and crazy stuff we can be a little stifling about that We'd be like, I can't believe I was watching TV and there was some personality that said something I disagree with where I'm going to angry email them like, you know. Happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. Like, what? Where are my protest shoes, honey? This is ridiculous. What kind of world do we live in? Starbucks, Red Cups, boycott. You know? Just the scriptures themselves. Scriptures itself is often so much more patient and gracious. Listen church, now whether or not everybody in the room believes this, we're trying to tell people that a man that was was God came to earth and he lived and then he died for 3 days and then he rose again, and we get upset when people just don't buy into it immediately we got to give people some room to, to believe this, to buy into that, this, to kick the tires a little bit, to, to probe and, and prod. Not everybody is ready to just jump headlong into this. And, and it, So if this is something that you're like, I, I, I like a lot of what Jesus says, but this is weird, there's room for you here too. There's room for you here. All right, this is the last line in this story, and we're going to wrap up. Last line in the story. Verse 18, Matthew chapter 28. Christians love this this verse if you you don't go to church very often that like we love this verse like we love it we don't love to read it in context but we just love it verse 18 and I think it's pretty powerful to read in context this is this is what Jesus tells them this is the first thing Matthew records that Jesus says to these 11 people after all this happened Jesus came to them and said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and if you saw somebody die and come back, you'd be like, "Yes, whatever you say goes." Let's go back to that stuff. Loving our enemies, like I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder. I, I think maybe there was something to what you were saying here because you were dead and now you're back. I'm totally, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Let's, let you have the floor. Verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, everybody needs to hear this. Everybody needs to hear this. And you'd be like, "Yeah." Yeah, this is like tell a stranger on the street kind of news. This is important. This is a big deal. Hey, the Jesus, Like this is a big deal. Everybody needs to hear it, no matter what your background, no matter what you have going on. And then it says he talks about baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and baptism. Why baptism? Well, we couldn't get into this this morning if we wanted to, but it's very cool because baptism is a representation of death and burial and resurrection and jesus wants us to participate in that imagine jesus saying hey you should baptize people so they can participate in this new life that that you're witnessing right before your eyes you'd be like oh baptism takes on a whole new meaning when you're talking to the resurrected jesus Uh, wow okay very cool very cool and then he says in teaching them to obey everything everything i commanded you oh you remember all that crazy stuff you were like love your enemies whatever turn the other cheek whatever sacrificially generous? Who cares? Like Jesus, that's not going to solve the world's problems. Hey, no, teach everybody that because that is the solution to our problems. That is the way forward. That is what we need to hear. The bad guys did their worst. They used their most powerful tool, death, to try to silence what Jesus was doing. And it didn't work. It didn't work. So what Jesus has to say Boy, that should really, we should really tune in. Jesus is saying the path forward is for us to absorb that hate and return blessing. For us to absorb that injustice and return forgiveness. That's the path forward. And, and there, here's a guy that died and rose again to, to prove to us that this was the life that we needed to leave, live. Here is what I believe that we're learning through the resurrection, and I'm going to wrap up with this, is that the world is a different place than we thought it was. If you walked in this morning feeling like the world is maybe bleak and dark and hopeless, I I believe that by understanding and affirming and acknowledging the truth of the resurrection, you can walk out of here believing that there is hope, that there is potential that this way that Jesus outlines actually is a way forward, is a path forward. It, it's a way to live. It's a way that can transform our world, certainly. But it's a way that can transform the world. And I think there's only one word that can describe all this. And I think it's, it's hope. It's hope. It won't always be this way. We don't have to go along with the systems the way that they are. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be guarded. We can be generous and compassionate and gracious because we have hope. The resurrection means so many things, and we'll talk about that down the road. But I want to wrap up with this last line in the story, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What we're going to do this morning is is offer a time. It doesn't have to be a time to come forward. It can just be a time for you to say, there's some things on my heart and my mind and I want to pray with somebody. I don't even know if there's somebody up there listening, but hey, it's worth a shot. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna sing a few more songs. Alex is gonna lead us and we're gonna have our shepherds kind of around the room and if you wanna pray with them, if, even if it's just something related to your health or somebody that you care about or maybe a sibling that you've been praying for 40 years and you just wanna keep praying for them, you want other people to pray for them, this is the opportunity to do that. That we have this chance to, to behave differently in the world because of Jesus Christ Christ. And the resurrection. So we're gonna we're gonna spend a few a few moments doing that. We're gonna sing three or, three or four songs. If you don't want to. D- don't worry about it just sing with us worship with us and then alex is going to dismiss up, m- dismiss us and you're free to you know take off i'll be around if you want to talk to me or stick around for our, for our kids stuff that we're going to do here in a little bit but but let's uh let's take a moment to just really think about what it what could be because of the resurrection of jesus christ let's go ahead and stand and i'm going to ask alex to lead and the shepherds to be around the room mm-hmm.